to the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Well, hello there. It's Friday, January 6th, and we're back once again. It's week 18, the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni. As always, with my bestest buddy, Matthew Betts. Betts, give him a hey-ho. Hey-ho. That was kind of like a Brooks hey-ho right there, huh? Um, what's up, man? I'm excited for this show. I'm excited for week 18. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I thought, like, as the season went on, by the time we got to week 17, week 18, like, I thought I'd be out of gas. I'm fired up for this slate. How are you feeling about week 18, man? This is the extra regular season week that we didn't have last year. You know, things change pretty rapidly, not just with COVID news, but with how much players are actually going to play. And I think that's where us as DFS for the rest of us, that's where we can actually take a stance and we can, you know, play this to our advantage this week because it really is about finding opportunity. It's about finding which players are going to play the full allotment of snaps. And there's some gross games. Don't get me wrong. Like we're going to be previewing these games. And on Tuesday's show, we mentioned every game except for one is 44 points below. So that's pretty rough. But overall, what would you say? Why can we feel good about the slate? Yeah, week 18, basically kind of like last year for week 17, is, like you said, that sort of situation where you have to figure out which teams have motivation to actually play the entire game with their starters, which teams might only play a drive, a quarter, a half, you know, those sort of situations. And obviously that's going to open up our player pool to a lot of names that we might not really know that well, but um, that kind of opens up an edge because the, we're talking about maybe second, third string guys that are going to get significant playing time this week. So being able to kind of find uh, the pieces to the puzzle that match in terms of, you know, players that project really well at, at good price tags is difficult to do if you're not plugged in. If you are, and if you're listening to the show, I think you're going to be primed for success this week. It's the week of the Ray Ray McLeods. It's the Laquan Treadwell. I mean, we're talking about guys that you did not even think were on a roster starting this year, but it's going to be super valuable when you're assembling a cash game lineup, when you're doing tournaments to figure out how do I get different because there's going to be some plays that the field just says, oh, I'm going to play Cooper Cup and Jonathan Taylor, and I get it. We'll talk about those guys, but where's the where's the value on the slate? Uh, we'll get to talk about it. So I'm excited for Week 18. I'm excited for the rest of the playoffs, man. Like Playoff DFS is different. We actually have a question in the mailbag about how we approach playoffs a little bit differently, so we'll get to that. And if you want all of our picks, you can get them in the DFS Passcode or DFSPass.com. Use the promo code DFSPOD. It pays for itself within one week. We're not lying. We have tons and tons of listener testimonials that are so. So, yes, join with us, and uh, we'd love to play with you in the playoffs. But without further ado, let's get into our picks. Straight cash, homie. Talking about our cash picks DraftKings will give some FanDuel-specific ones. At quarterback, we've talked about these names. I know you're really hyped. You were hyped in best ball season to talk about Trey Lance, but how are you feeling at the end of the season that you get to go all in on Trey Lance once again? I love it, man. I mean, this is where we're getting even. You know, we lost all the money in best ball. We're getting it back in DFS <laughs> playing Trey Lance. Uh, man, I just overdrafted him like crazy. But yeah, last week, it was pretty straightforward. You had to have Trey Lance in cash. He was 4800 They basically gave him away for free after the Jimmy G injury. I still don't think we're going to see Jimmy G this week with that thumb issue, still dealing with the fracture and the ligament injury in his thumb. So it should be Trey Lance again. <laughs> he's priced up a little bit. He's 5.5. So it's not like he's 
uh, free like he was last week. He's still insanely cheap for a guy that we know can run the football. And what it was really nice to see last week in that game was in the first half, he didn't really throw very much. And then we saw them like open up the playbook, kind of trust Trey Lance, let him sling it a little bit over 260 yards and two passing touchdowns. So if he can somehow like put all that together in one game, I know the matchup on paper is tough with the Rams secondary, but still when, when a quarterback is going to run the football, he is in play, especially at this 5.5 tag. Who do you feel has a safer floor? Because the other quarterback that I'm going to mention is Taysom Hill at 6.2 against Atlanta. He played against Atlanta twice last year. He's a quarterback four, quarterback eight. I feel like Taysom feels safer in my mind, but Lance has the opportunity to actually explode and he's cheaper. So right now, if you had to tell the people to put their hard-earned money on one of these two rushing quarterbacks, are you saying Lance? I think I am. One situation that really is important to me about Taysom Hill this week um, is the offensive line for New Orleans. The last couple of weeks, it has been injuries and COVID situations and all that sort of thing. Um, a couple of weeks ago, it was both tackles out. And in that situation, it's just hard for the offense to succeed and move the football. So uh, we know that the playmakers aren't there in the passing game for New Orleans. But if Taysom Hill can run the football, as we've seen, he'll be fine. It's just a matter of if, the, if those tackles are out again, I'd probably lean with Lance if they're in against Atlanta, who maybe they don't need the tackles. I mean, Atlanta can't rush the passer. <laughs> they're, they're bottom five in sack rate and pressure rate. So Taysom can get it done, of course, even in that situation. So I think I lean Lance right now. Um, but of course, things could change until Sunday. I lean Taysom because Saints are four and a half point road favorites. Falcons can't rush the passer, as you mentioned, and then they are terrible, giving up the seventh most rushing yards in the league. And they're terrible at defending pass catching running backs. So I feel like there's just a safe floor with Taysom. If you just wanted to go straight safety, Lance is more volatile. I mean, against a way better Rams defense, but those are our two cash picks. And then we have to mention Josh Allen on both sides, 8.1 on DraftKings. On FanDuel, I think I would play him because the FanDuel values aren't as different, but he's my cash game quarterback in FanDuel. They are just huge favorites against the Jets. 17 points at home in a must-win situation to get the AFC East title. So Josh Allen can explode, and I put this in the DFS pass. Remember last year, the Bills were supposed to rest their starters. Instead, they came out in Week 17 and obliterated the Dolphins, put up 56 points. So... I love the Bills because they just don't care. Like, they're just ready to put up points no matter what. And so I think they're a safe bet as well. Let's go to running backs. And there's a ton of names here. I mean, we can name seven, eight guys. So let's start with Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, not much to say. I mean, we kind of know the story at this point. He is going to be the focal point of the offense as he always is in the last, you know, what, 12 weeks of the year. He's just been unreal. It's like every week, 100 yards. So you know you're going to likely get that bonus. He also has motivation this week to try to push for 2,000 yards. I've heard little rumblings like they want to try to help him get there. It's unrealistic. It's 266 yards to get to 2,000. I mean, someone's going to do it. It's going to be him. <laughs> but looking at this spot, taking on the Jaguars, they are like 15 and a half point favorites last time I looked. In a positive game script, if you're picking one running back that's going to get the ball 25 times against a terrible defense, you're hoping it's Jonathan Taylor. And this is a dream spot for him. I mean, Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson last week combined for four rushing touchdowns against these Jaguars. So they're done on the year. They're looking to get out of here and just move on from 2021. Um, the Colts have everything to play for. They need this win to make the playoffs. It's going to go through Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, I have Taylor in my cash game lineup right now. Is this another week where we do three running backs in terms of our builds because we're getting a ton of value? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we'll talk about these names here at like, you know, the 5K range and the 6K range, but 
I think they're projecting better than some of the wide receivers in that range. So I do think this looks like a, a three running back slate, at least for cash. I'll mention two names that I like. Rashad Penny, Dante Foreman. Rashad Penny is 6.5. Foreman is 5.7. 6.9 on FanDuel. Both great plays. Foreman's been getting a ton of work. Uh, he just gets the ball. He's a great bet for a touchdown. Uh, and the Titans want to win so they can lock up that uh, first seed. But Penny was awesome last week. Like, I just, I, I think it's it's easy to look at him and say, oh, that was cute. You know, he's up, had this little run. He's the RB1 over the last month. And he looks like a player nobody wants to tackle. The Cardinals aren't good at defending the run. So Rashad Penny. <laughs> I'm laughing right now. Who says, <laughs> who says I'm watching football? That was cute. <laughs> Does anyone actually say that watching Rashad Penny run, run the ball? They're like, oh, that's nice. You helped me to fantasy championship. But, like, let's keep <laughs> playing this guy because he's a good bet to get a touchdown. So I like those two. If you're just betting on who's going to get a touchdown, I like those two guys, Penny and Foreman. Who are some other names? Yeah, they're both awesome. Just real quick, though, like I know they were talking about Derrick Henry maybe coming back. I would be shocked if he had more than a handful of carries. Do you agree that it's going to be Foreman no matter what? Even if Henry's active, he'll probably just get a few touches. They can just take care of business, right, against the Texans. I think they're going to rest him, give him another week to rest up with the bye. So Foreman, to me, I'm not worried about the workload. Okay. Yep. I'm with you. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. A couple other names that I really like. I mean, Devin Singletary talking about the Jets as we do every week. Like, hey, you're going to play running back against the Jets. But Devin Singletary, you know, is a guy that I was really concerned about. Just like we've seen this flash in the pan from him in the past. And do they always go back to him? No. But in the last three weeks, they absolutely are going back to him. I mean, he's getting like bell cow treatment. Some of the best usage in football coming off a season high 24 opportunities last week against the Jets at 6K on DraftKings where you know he can catch the football. That looks really strong as well this week. Dave Montgomery, this will be the third week in a row that I talk about him, and he's been the RB2 over the last month. So he's been really great against Minnesota. The workload's there. 7.6 on FanDuel is a really great tag. And then let's just talk about Chase Edmonds really quick. If you knew that James Conner was going to be out, is Chase Edmonds again locked in your lineup? I think so. I think just looking at the the slate as far as pricing, like where he's at, down at 5.8 on DraftKings, if he was the only guy, it would be an incredible spot. I mean, the last two weeks without Connor in the lineup, he's playing an average of 86% uh, of the snaps, 25 and 24 opportunities in those two weeks. And if you're going to get that type of volume at a sub 6K price tag against the Seattle Seahawks, who are particularly vulnerable to pass catching backs, which that's what Chase Edmond does. Um, yeah, he'd be in my lineup for sure at that tag. And on FanDuel 6.6, I mean, great tag as well. So Chase Edmonds, I mean, we mentioned probably about seven or eight guys right there. So I think this week is one of those weeks where you pick three, probably Jonathan Taylor, and just kind of roll with it and hope for the touchdown upside for some of these teams, especially the ones like you mentioned with Singletary, like huge favorites. He's a good bet to get in the end zone. Let's go to wide receiver. I'm right now having a stance where I'm taking Jonathan Taylor and not putting Cooper Cup in my lineup. Am I an idiot? Please tell me I am not the stupidest man on this podcast. Dude, I mean, I just hope uh, this is going to sound bad. I hope we get some value that opens up. And unfortunately, the only way that happens is like injury or COVID. So I'm not wishing that. But if somehow we can get both these guys in our lineup to just jam them in, like that is a dream scenario because both these guys are just in an incredible spot. I know we talked on Tuesday. I know that you said you lean JTT. I said I lean Cup. I was thinking about it more. I think now I lean more Jonathan Taylor, just ah. given the spot and, and, that, and that situation. And sometimes you're right. Um, but what is there to say about Cooper Cup, right? It needs 12 catches 
to pass Michael Thomas for the all-time record for receptions, 136 yards, to break Calvin Johnson's single-season record. I mean, they're taking on the Niners. They've got injuries in the secondary. Like, how does he not? How does he not go like ten for a hundred? Like that feels like his floor, doesn't it? For sure. And let's just—I want him to break the record selfishly because he is a friend of the show. He's a—he's a fan of the Spitballers podcast. Uh, I just. I mean, Cooper Cup's very likable, and what he's done this year has been unstoppable. So I feel like that's the conversation, it's JTT or Cup. And if we get some value, you can go there. Uh, Ray Ray McLeod is probably not a name you thought I'd be talking about, but with the news of Deontay Johnson on the COVID list, he's a cheap PPR option, and we're just looking for, you know, seven, eight points for him to, to 2X on his salary. So uh, is, is that where you're at right now, or are you leaning towards Chase Claypool? I mean, the wide receiver value this week below 4,500 is non-existent. So it's pretty much Ray McLeod and not that many other options. So I have him in right now. Look, like you're hoping for 12 points, honestly. That's what you're hoping for with Ray McLeod. I don't think he's the type of guy that you can break the slate with. If he's going to be really popular, he is a definite don't play for me in tournaments. But the matchup is awesome on paper. We know the Ravens secondary is banged up all year. They're vulnerable. But, dude, watching Monday Night Football, Big Ben with his ADOT of like 2.6 yards, uh, McLeod seeing a 5.5 ADOT on the year, he's basically an extension of the running game. So if he gets you, let's say, five catches for like 50 yards, I mean, you should be thrilled with Rarey McLeod. So I think he's in there as a safe floor option. The ceiling obviously is quite low. And we'll at least say this about him. He's had games of 12 targets, eight targets, eight targets, and last week, 10. So there's at least some precedent for him to be a PPR option, uh, a Braxton Berrios, if you will, the great Braxton Berrios. Uh, so that's where I'm at in terms of Pittsburgh wide receivers. Speaking of Pitt, Pitty City, our boy, uh, is been devoid of touchdowns since week nine. It's just sad. So if you're playing Jonathan Taylor, I'm assuming you're not playing Pitty City in your cash. I think you can, man. I mean, how bad is this Jaguars defense? Like literally bottom three in almost every category. And I don't know if you saw when the slate opened early in the week, it was not the Colts who had the highest team applied total. It has since been bet up. They now hold the highest total on the slate at 29 and a half points. So Jonathan Taylor can fall in the end zone twice. Michael Pittman can catch a touchdown as well. I think it's totally fine to play them both in cash. Some other names in that mid-range. Brandon Cooks, 6.3, feels just safe. Titans have given up the second most wide receiver fantasy points. And I need to bring this name up because every week he shows up as a value in terms of points per dollar. And every week I mention him and every week I'm so scared to click the button. It's DJ Moore at 5.8. Where are you at on our boy DJ? Cause we both love him. We think he's super talented. Is he going to even two X his salary? I hope. <laughs> I mean, like looking at the underlying metrics on DJ Moore, it screams positive regression. You know, looking at this guy, like he's seeing an average of 10 targets per game over his last five. I'm not sure if you saw Kyle on Wednesday and Thursday. Robbie Anderson was a DNP with a quad issue. And it's not like Robbie's seeing a ton of volume, but at least further solidifies DJ Moore as the focal point of the offense. And against the Bucks, you know, you can't run the football like you have to throw. So I think the volume will be there. The efficiency may not be, but when you look at how much volume he's seen, his talent, the fact that you have to throw on Tampa, I think he's a GPP only play for me this week. But, you know, and really that's just because of Sam Darnold. Like we can't trust him to deliver the football accurately 
Um, so, you know, with that and said, you know, with that in mind, he's a guy that I want to take shots on in tournaments because the upside is always there for DJ Moore. For sure. I, you could get one of those games where he goes five for 90 and a touchdown and at his salary, that's, that's excellent. So DJ Moore, 5.8, uh, we need to mention Christian Kirk. He, like I wrote him up earlier this week. I'm going to be writing him up again as a great GPP play, but in cash on FanDuel, he's only 6.2. Last week, it was the Antoine Wesley show, which we all predicted, of course. Uh, but wide receiver 21 on FanDuel, what's your temperature on Christian Kirk? Yeah, I think he's solid. I mean, this is a game that the Cardinals are motivated to win. Um, it's the highest over-under on the slate, so it's the best game environment. Without DeAndre Hopkins, he's seeing about a 23% target share over the last month of the season. Um, you know, so he's been totally fine. I just, I think my thing with Christian Kirk is that it almost feels like he's locked in for like six for 80. You know, like I don't see him being a guy that's going to go out there and give you like the nine for 130 and two that you're looking for for GPPs. But in cash, his target share is there and this offense is certainly motivated. So, yeah, I like him a lot. We'll talk about that game in a second and how to stack it, because that's the game with the highest total Seattle and Arizona. So there are lots of interesting ways. Let's go to tight end. We're going to kind of shrink our options this week. Uh, Gronk is in a great spot. He's also motivated with some uh, contract stuff that if he goes over certain amount of catches and yards. Um, I think he has to get three TDs actually to, to hit his contract incentive. But catches-wise, I think he's safe. 6.3. Zach Ertz on both sites. On FanDuel, he's locked in my lineup. 5.6. Way too safe. His target share, he leads the team since DeAndre Hopkins is out. And then last one I'll mention, the Muth. If Deontay's out, where are you at with Muth? Five, or 4.6 and 5.1 on FanDuel. Dude, he is getting so loose this week. Uh, it's an awesome spot. You know, the Ravens been vulnerable against tight ends. Um, I, I think I like him a lot. I mean, we can't say enough how much volume Deontay Johnson vacates in this offense, almost 30% target share. So, yeah, it's going to be spread out, I think. But he's a guy that's already been getting a handful of targets most weeks. And I think if you're going to give him somewhere in the range of like six to eight-ish targets in this spot, I think it's totally viable um, this week for DFS. Austin Hooper is way down there at 3.6. He's in a great matchup. Case Keenum's throwing the ball, so I don't really know, but I needed to mention him as someone $1,000 cheaper if you wanted to. And, Betts, why don't you finish this off with DST? Uh, there's a couple of slam dunks. Yeah, I think the most popular DST on the slate is going to be the football team. They are 3.1, taking on Jake Fromm with... Basically, no weapons, given that Kenny Galladay has done about the, as much as you, Kyle, this year. Um, it's been rough for New York. There's not much to say. Jake Fromm is, is not good at football. So give me the football team here, 3.1. And then uh, for Cincinnati, like really the, the spot here, we have to just talk about, it looks like they're going to sit a lot of their guys. We already know Joe Burrow's out. Joe Mixon's on the COVID list. I think they even hinted like Jamar Chase might not play. T. Higgins might not play. So you might just get second stringers out there against Cleveland. So Cleveland at 2.6, I think is a viable punt this week. Yep, you can definitely go there against Brandon Allen. The Bills, if you want to pay up, 3.7 on DraftKings, 4.5 on FanDuel. And then I need to mention Tampa, also on FanDuel at 4.2 against Carolina, Sam Darnold, and whatever else they're running out there. Uh, it's another solid option. They're heavy favorites. Let's talk about the games we want to stack. Stack attack. This week, we're going to mention two games that Betts and I say, hey, these are... These are the games we want to stack. They're both in the NFC West. 
um, which is cool. It's cool that we get these matchups. I know a lot of people for redraft are already checked out because they have the championship, but for real NFL, there's lots of stuff to play for and they're all divisional matchups. So the first one we will highlight is Seattle at Arizona. Arizona is now seven point favorites. This game is a 48 point total and they have a 27 and a half point team implied total. It's the third highest on the main slate. So the Cardinals are an offense that have struggled in my mind really in the second half of the season to feel like they can gain a ton of momentum and actually get there in games. Like before in the first half of the season, Kyler was an MVP candidate and we could actually count on Kyler plus one or two options each week. If it was AJ Green, if it was Christian Kirk, like it was spread around. Now I feel like I have to ask myself, who's going to get there? It's been Chase Edmonds recently. It was Antoine Wesley. So with the Cardinals side, where are you confident stacking with Kyler? So it's it's really tough because like you said, when in the old days, like it was, you know, you wanted him to run the football and, and that was just so much of what he was doing, you know, it was so much of his value. So we would say, okay, just single stack him. But the rushing hasn't been there the way it was in 2020. So I almost think I would kind of like to double stack him this week. I mean, you could definitely play Ertz and another pass catcher. I like Ertz a lot, as we said, but I do think he's going to be really popular in tournaments. So just be mindful of that, that if you are going that route, be sure to get different. Um, I think of the pass catchers, the most obvious name to mention is Christian Kirk, given the target share. Like, Can you trust Antoine Wesley, though, for what he did last week? I mean, he's playing a ton of, of time, running a ton of routes. But we also saw DeAndre Hopkins, one of the best wide receivers in football, be very inconsistent. So am I going to go back to Antoine Wesley after a two-touchdown performance? I don't think so. What about you? Yeah, he's big, 6'4", 206, so he's a big target. So I understand if he's getting some red zone looks. Um, I mean, Chase Edmonds is my favorite, like you mentioned. Him and Kyler have correlated super well over the last couple of years. So it's not like out of nowhere that Chase Edmonds, he's just getting the opportunities with Connor out. So I like Edmonds. And then I mentioned earlier, I like Kirk. Um, I feel like Ertz is going to be the cash game play. So in tournaments, I don't mind going elsewhere, knowing that let's say Ertz goes six for 80. It's like, wow, that's awesome in cash. I was really excited. But in a tournament, it's not really going to get me there unless he catches a touchdown. So um, Ertz, I'll probably be a little underweight on, in GPPs, and then I'll be a little bit more heavy on Kirk. AJ Green is in no man's land for me, where I just like is. Can I get a GPP winning performance from AJ Green? Can he win you the Millie? I don't think so. Where you need like the perfect lineup? Can he win you the stuff I play in, where you need <laughs> you know an 80th percent percentile outcome? Sure, I think so. I mean, look, AJ Green, we kind of know where what he is at this point. But the spot's awesome. Like this game environment, we have to remember the context of the slate is so important. This spot is awesome for the Cardinals offense. They've got the third highest team implied total. It's the highest over under. If you expect Kyler to have success here, I think it t- makes sense to take some shots on Adrian Green. He also has some incentives in his contract. I think he needs like 75 yards or so to earn a bonus in his contract for this year. So there's some motivation for him. I don't mind him. I- I'll probably take some shots if he is going to be overlooked in GPPs for stacks. On the Seattle side, I love Tyler Lockett this week. And I know I could say that to you every single week and you'd be super excited. You're one of the the true Tyler Lockett truthers out there. Uh, But his last three games against Arizona, you ready for this? Hit me. 15 for 203. How would you like that? I would absolutely be That could be a three-game total. That was one game he did against them. One after that, nine for 67 and one. And most recently, four for 115. So he's just torched Arizona. 
He's cheaper than DK Metcalf on both sites. We just saw a three-touchdown game for Metcalf. So I'm calling a locket week. I like it. Yeah, dude, sign me up. I, I think I'll probably get overlooked too a little bit by the field this week. So uh, I'm in on locket. If you're in on locket, does that mean that you're not playing Metcalf? Or are you just going to play multiple lineups kind of around the game and then like pick a couple with DK and uh, and go from there? Yeah, I'll just probably be underweight just because of what Metcalf did last week. And if the field responds the way that we are going to see in the roster percentage report, then give me some more locket, um, especially because Arizona loves to give it up deep. Um, and we know that's what Russ does. He throws deep more than uh, at a higher percentage than anyone else in the league. It's 15.6%. So Russ is great on DraftKings, that price tag. I love it. 6.3. Um, he's Jason's start of the week. We saw vintage Russ last week, right? It was super efficient. It was four touchdowns. And last year in Arizona, he lit them up. He went 388 and three and ran for 84 on the ground. So last year, I don't know if you remember, that game was like a barn burner and Arizona won at the end, 37-34. was like the first time Arizona had beaten Seattle in years. Um, so this is just this is the environment we want. Both of these teams, at least since Russ the last couple of weeks, been playing more up-tempo. They have a ground game that you actually have to respect with Rashad Penny. And then we know that Arizona is more of a pace-up team. I think without James Conner, they have to play that way. They can't just run Chase Edmonds into the line 20 times. So I like the way that this game sets up, and I like that you can either double-stack Kyler, you can double-stack with Russ on the other side and and pick your spots. Yeah, one thing, though, real quick, I we just want to chat through this. I don't know. Do we have the breaking news drop? Uh, let me see if I can get that, because that would be pretty awesome. I do. Breaking news. <laughs> the video that plays with that is just incredible. Um, Chase Edmonds did not practice today on Thursday. Again. So Wednesday DMP. What? <laughs> Kyle is just, he's loving his new life out there in Arizona with all these new drops. Uh, did not practice Wednesday. Did not practice Thursday. Rib and toe issue. So we might not have Chase, Chase Edmonds. The old <laughs> rib week. and toe classic you always see it together the rib and the toe those man. two go Every together to like lamb and tuna fish um eno benjamin alert hello people i've been hyping this guy up for years is it eno benjamin time if you're getting him i can look up his price now but i'm assuming he's a stone mim i would think so i haven't even begun to look at him but yeah and, and also along the same lines just real quick james connor was limited in the last couple of days so if you are getting Chase or uh, James Conner rather without Chase Edmonds, I assume we just have the same conversation. He's in an awesome spot. Yes, totally. Eno Benjamin, 4K, Stone Men on DraftKings. Get hyped, people. Um, I, I, but it's a great point to bring up. Like, there's things that still can change about this game, but overall, I think it's his game that we want to stack. Anything else you want to say about the Seattle side? Um, no, I think we touched on it. This is better late than never, right? Like we were kind of all on them early in the year. They let us down. They've been red hot lately. So yes, I am interested in Russ stacks this week. All right. Give me your Vegas pick. Dude, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the Cardinals here. Laying a touchdown. I'll go with Cardinals. I'm going to take Seattle plus seven. I feel like if Arizona is in a spot where they're this favored by a touchdown at home, like I don't think they're a touchdown, the touchdown better than the Seattle, especially if Russ has his chef's hat on and he's cooking. Next game, another NFC West game. San Francisco 49ers at the Los Angeles Chargers. This game has a 44.5 total. I already bet the over and the line moved bets by half point. Uh, Rams are 4.5 point favorites. Why are we talking about this game if it's that low? Good question. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it is. 
Context of the slate, again, we have to talk about this as a completely different situation. Most weeks, we're kind of wiping out those, you know, 43, 44 point totals. This week, every game is there. So we're looking at teams that have max motivation to win this week, and that can really kind of go back and forth. And these two teams are both going to be playing their starters the entire time. So for the 49ers, they have to win or they're out, basically. Win and you're in sort of situation. So they're going to be motivated, obviously. And then for the Rams, they can still uh, clinch the division and improve seating, basically, with a win. So both teams will be playing. Um, and they've got high upside, guys. You know, you talk about how you speed up a game is big plays. And you've got Cooper Cup. You've got Debo Samuel. You've got George Kittle. So there's a lot of ways you can go in the spot. And so I think it's a really interesting angle for tournaments. Yes. And the way that these two teams play is obviously very different. Like we know San Francisco, they have the second highest neutral rush rate. On the other side of the ball, you look at Matthew Stafford and the way that they have continually said, hey, we actually feel confident throwing the ball. They have the fourth highest neutral pass rate. But dude, what's up with your boy Stafford recently? It hasn't looked good. I'm sort of kind of convinced that maybe Jared Goff, (laughs) he's been injured, right? He's been out for the lines, snuck back over to LA, put on a Matthew Stafford jersey and started playing football. I mean, Stafford's been terrible the last couple of weeks. I mean, that pick six last week was not good. Um, six interceptions over the last three weeks. Woof. It's been rough. But you want to trust good offenses who have a ceiling. And we've seen that, obviously, from them. And this spot is awesome for the passing attack for the Rams. We talked about it a little bit with Cooper Cup, but just looking at the secondary, like, Josh Norman is this team's cornerback one at this point in time. That is a a huge red flag against three really solid wide receivers in Cooper Cup, Odo Beckham, and Van Jefferson as well who can take the lid off the defense. So I like this spot for Stafford. I know he's been bad, but if people are going to be shying away from him, like sign me up as a Stafford double stack in tournaments all all day. Yep, both sides 6.7 on DK, 7.4 on FanDuel. I will be playing Matthew Stafford double stacks because (laughs) I've been doing it. I'm going to stay with it. Right when he played Baltimore and Minnesota, it didn't work out. But I'm going to stay with it. And like you mentioned, Cooper Cup has a lot to play for. Um, on FanDuel, I know it says 10K, which is crazy. Uh, it's actually a value compared to DK. So on FanDuel at 10K, you can play in there too. OBJ and Van Jefferson, where are you at on those two dudes? And do you have a preference? Yeah, I think I still lean OBJ. I mean, he's getting looks around the goal line. Um, I think it's four of his last five. He has a touchdown. Apparently he's so, good. Apparently. Who would have thought? Um, so, yes, I, I'm going more with Odell, given the touchdown upside. He also has seven plus targets in three of his last four. So I think you're looking at this sort of situation. If you're trying to win the Millie, like maybe Odell isn't the guy to double stack with Cup because Cup's going to take so much. But in these smaller field tournaments that I play in where I'm more looking for this correlation piece, I think Cup and Odell together with Stafford sounds really interesting. Can you play those two in cash? Let's say you didn't have Cup in your lineup, but you want some exposure to the Rams who have a fine team implied total of 24 and a half. Um, I personally probably won't. There's just so many other names in that like upper fives range that I would prefer or lower six. Like I'm going to try to get up to Brandon Cooks in cash if I can or Michael Pittman, who we talked about for $100 more. So I don't think for me this week uh, on, on OBJ and cash. I'll just say Jefferson's always tempting because he's had some big plays. I love the offense, but the target totals you mentioned, they've dropped for him while OBJ's has risen. So um, tempted by him, I think he's even a better tournament play. Sonny Michelle might get lost in the mix of this game um, because Eli Mitchell's been so good. He might be the running back that 
People play Stafford double stacks and then bring it back with Eli Mitchell or they bring it back with Debo. Um, so Sony's fine as kind of like a way to um, pivot off of those stacks or even pivot off a popular Cooper Cup. Uh, DK, they didn't really move his salary, 6K. Um, on FanDuel, he's probably too expensive at 7.7. If you wanted to go super contrarian on FanDuel and use him there, I totally get it. But let's talk about the 49ers side. What if I told you, and I, maybe this is out of character of me, what if I told you that George Kittle is my favorite play on the slate? I would be not surprised at all. I'm pretty excited about George Kittle, especially on FanDuel at 6.9. He's fine on DK at 6.7. But George Kittle, I posted about this in our Pace of Play article, has destroyed, destroyed Sean McVay. And not many people can say that. I'm going to read off these lines because they made me hot and heavy for a player that I like a lot. George Kittle, dating back to 2017, 4 for 100, 5 for 98 and a score, 9, 149 and 1. 8 for 103, 579 and 1, 7109 and 1, and 5 for 50 and 1. How does that get you going? <laughs> I mean, dude, I, I've known you for a while now, and I don't think I've seen you smile that much in uh, in quite a few weeks. So you've got to be pretty excited about Kittle. And especially, you know, Kittle's a guy that like I don't really want to play when he's been like red hot and people are all going to be on him. He's the exact type of guy that you want to look at and say, okay, when has he failed in the past? Last week, week before, he's done nothing. That's when I want to jump back in on George Kittle because we know that's in his range of outcomes. He has these like three, four target games and then out of nowhere, he goes off for like 12 targets and breaks the slate. So yes, please sign me up. He is definitely in play this week for GPPs. Kyle Shanahan has come out and said that there are games that he just basically builds the entire game plan around George Kittle. So it's like one of those things that we're not privy to that information, obviously, but when they hit, he explodes and in just terms against the Rams, the lines I just gave, that's over 20 DK points per game. Like the lowest that I gave there was 16.1. He's just exploded. So I love him in tournaments. Um, I love him on Fandle this week. And I think he's going to be a, a bring back option that a lot of people are basically saying, do I go Mitchell or do I go Debo? And I just want to say that I think Kittle is great. The only you know caveat is Trey Lance. He's a wild card. We really don't have enough film and enough game logs to be able to say this is what he's going to do but it's up to Kyle Shanahan but I, I just want to give you the confidence to play Kittle in tournaments uh, if you're shooting for ceiling but what other 49ers do you want to talk about I mean it's always tricky with these two wide receivers like Debo we know what he can do he's just so expensive 8500 on DK 8800 on FanDuel it's tough for me to click the button on a guy who's just relied so much on efficiency running the football to get there. I think I'm probably out on Debo. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, I've tried to fade Debo. I know he had him on our big dog team, and I was thankful to get some exposure to him. But every week that I want to fade Debo, he just explodes. Like, he's one of those few players that can go eight for 180. I mean, it's just, like, so rare to be able to find that, to find 180 yards and a touchdown. Um, you know he's going to get the ball uh, out of the backfield, too. So just the touches – um, I'll mix him in, but I'm going to be probably more on the Kittle side this week. And then maybe even mix in some Ayuk and, um, he's way cheaper than Debo, like a good $3,000 cheaper on, um, DraftKings. But how do you feel about Elijah Mitchell? Like he was the dude last week. Jeff Wilson was on the field for 12 snaps and he didn't see a touch. So, uh, Eli Mitchell at 6k, I mean, on Fando is 8k. It's like really expensive. They priced him up. But on DraftKings, they haven't moved him. So how are you feeling about him? 
Yeah, which is so surprising because he was the same price last week and had an unbelievable role. Didn't even move his salary at all. It's 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 the Christmas keeps on giving, man. This is this is awesome. Um, I like Eli Mitchell. I mean, you just got to find someone who loves you the way Kyle Shanahan loves Eli Mitchell. In his last four healthy games, and we're talking about like multiple weeks in and out of the lineup. As soon as he comes back, he's just getting the ball. I mean, we're looking at 27, 33, 32, 23 opportunities in his last four healthy games. And at that tag, if you're going to get somewhere in the range of 20 to 25 opportunities, yeah, for sure, he's obviously going to be in play. And I think the way that you play this game is, you know, I know that the Vegas spread says the Rams are favored to win. So it would be tough for me to play him in games where I think the Niners play from behind. But if they get out to a lead, Eli Mitchell is going to be the focal point. So I think... My approach here is like, I'm almost going to say play Mitchell and then, you know, you want to kind of bring it back with like the passing attack on the other side. But if you're playing this to be a game where they play from behind, then Kittle sounds awesome. So I'm going to have exposure to both scenarios and uh, and kind of go from there. But yeah, I think both guys are certainly in play. And when you're going to get that much volume at 6K on DraftKings, he's an awesome play. Trey Lance feels like his range of outcomes is all over the map. Like this could be like a game where he has three turnovers and just self implodes. It could be a game where he runs for 80 yards. And so I just want to finish off with Lance. We know he's a great cash game play. How are you handling him in tournaments? Yeah, last week I felt like I kind of fell in the trap of like feeling like I had to have him because of the salary savings he offered. So, I mean, he was he was really popular in tournaments. And I know we usually say like, don't worry about it for quarterbacks. It's usually pretty flat. That was not the case last week. He was very popular. I could see the same scenario happening again with everyone wants to play Cup and JT. So, yeah, if he's going to be really popular again, then I think there's paths to fading him this week in tournaments. All right, give me your Vegas pick. I feel torn by this, but I'm going to go with the Rams. I'm going to lay the points. Even though Matthew Stafford has been terrible, I will take the Rams. Yeah, I'm going to do the same thing. I just feel like the Rams at home, minus four and a half, I will take those points. All right, before we get into the Battle Royale, Let's talk about a couple of teams that have huge implied totals. We call them our onslaught teams and then a couple of slate breakers. So I'll let you hit the first team for the onslaught and I'll do the next one. All right, let's talk about the Bills. They are very good. The Jets are not very good. The Bills currently favored by, uh, it's it's down now to 16 points. The team total is sitting at 28 and a half. And like you talked about in this spot, you know, they're at home. They've got a huge total. We love Josh Allen for tournaments, especially on DraftKings. I don't think anyone's going to play him given the salary savings that Taysom Hill and Trey Lance provide. But I mean, in this spot, his upside is huge. And I know that we talked about Devin Singletary as a cash game build. I think he's totally in play. But if you wanted to get off the chalk, I mean, I don't think a lot of people are going to click the button on Diggs, on Gabe Davis, on Dawson Knox. But that's where, you know, the targets are going as far as the the touchdown upside in this passing game. So if Singletary is going to be the most popular play on this team, which I do think he will be, then I'm really excited to go onslaught stacks with Josh Allen and a couple of pass catchers against the Jets for obvious reasons. Yes, I love the Stephon Diggs. I think he's safe. I wish I've seen more upside this week or this year, but I, I like him a lot. I'll mention the Colts. We talked about Jonathan Taylor. They're 15 point road favorites. They have a team applied total of 29 and a half. Jacksonville ranks 31st in points per drive allowed. And if you wanted to bring it back with the Jaguar, like it's not going to be a Goomba Wale. I just don't see a, a ceiling. Treadwell feels like he's the floor play. So Chenault's basically been one of the worst wide receivers that have ever seen 90 plus targets. There's only one guy left. 
of course you would bring up this guy in the last regular season week of the year. You know, the other day, it was Wednesday, we had our mailbag show, and there was a question. Oh, I'm well aware. I think everyone heard that. <laughs> There's a question. Who would you rather have, Marvin Jones or Kenyon Drake in Dynasty? And I just had to cut in and say, we all know the answer to this question. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, people understand the bits from our show. They Hopefully, they understand the Glennon bit. Maybe they don't. Uh, but Marvin Jones. That's not a bit. That's That's never been more real. I was going to say, Marvin Jones, I really believe in him. He's just almost 32 years old, so... Uh, he's almost done. But with the Colts, believe in their offense. Believe that Jonathan Taylor has three touchdown upside. Like, it's very real this this week. So Colts need to win and get in. Aside from a really weird scenario where the Raiders and Chargers tie, which would just be so poetic to this year if something like that happened. Um, all right. Our slate breakers for this week. Give me some names. All right, we're going to start at wide receiver. I'm going out of order here because I'm so excited about this guy. And last time I said this, he went off. It is Justin Jefferson this week, assuming Kirk Cousins is playing quarterback. If it's not Kirk Cousins, ignore all this. But um, there's so much to like about Justin Jefferson this year without Adam Thielen in the lineup. He's just seeing so much volume. And now he gets a spot at home. You talk about this all the time. When he plays at home, he's averaging over 100 yards in his career and almost a touchdown per game and last week you know he still saw volume but it was Sean Mannion and and like five yards per attempt like that's not what Justin Jefferson succeeds at it's the deep ball it's breaking the slate with these huge plays and his ceiling this week is massive I love him at his tag at 8.1 I don't think anyone is going to play him this week given the need to spend up for Jonathan Taylor and um, Cooper Cup so I think we'll get lost in the shuffle absolutely love him this week for GPPs do you feel like you have to correlate him or is he just a one-off like because on the Bears side it seems like they're going to be without Justin Fields is it just one of those things where you just play Justin Jefferson and just know hey he's a he's the dude I think you could if you wanted to correlate him with David Montgomery. He's a strong play as well on the Chicago side, but I don't think you have to. I'm totally fine to play him as a one-off. All right, I'm going to mention two wide receivers as well. A.J. Brown is 7K on DraftKings, 7.4 on FanDuel. He has destroyed Houston in his career. I won't go through the game logs. I tweeted it out, but five touchdowns in his last five games against Houston. And then another one, your boy, Terry McLaurin, who has done nothing this year. Um, No one's going to click the button on that game because it has the lowest total on the slate. So no one's going to want to go there at all to talk about Washington, but Terry McLaurin has been a beast against the Giants in his career. 6.2 on DraftKings, 6.7. I just wanted to mention him as a one-off play if you wanted to get cute and different than everyone else. I mean, if Terry McLaurin went 5 for 120 and a touchdown, are you a happy man? I mean, my, my heart... My love for Terry McLaurin knows no bounds, but I'd also be a little jaded. Like he's a guy I was aggressively going after in Dynasty all offseason. I just wanted so many shares of this guy, and like you said, it was a train wreck. But maybe this is a week. I mean, what did you say? He's going to be like three percent probably in tournaments. Yes. Easily under okay. five. I'll take a shot for sure. Is is Terry McLaurin your Keenan Allen? Yeah, I think he's my favorite player in the NFL. Dude, that's cool. He's a cool dude too. I like him a lot. Um, at tight end, I already mentioned Kittle as my favorite play on the slate. And depending on our roster percentage, if he comes in lower, like I'm going to be overweight on Kittle, just like in best ball, which I don't know if it's the best strategy, but I love it. It's week 18. Do whatever we want. Give me some tight ends. Yeah, dude, there's no rules this week. It's the best. Yeah. So we talked about Gronk. 
6,300. I'm not sure he's going to be that popular in cash as far as like roster percentage. So in tournaments, he should be kind of flying under the radar. I like him in this spot. Obviously, we know Antonio Brown is not on the team anymore. Chris Godwin's still injured. Leonard Fournette's still out. So if you're getting Gronk in this spot, he needs seven catches and 85 yards. Each of those separately, you can get them both or one, one or the other, can earn him a cool extra half a million dollars for each. So I think Tom is going to be incentivized to help him get there. They've talked about they want the two seed. The motivation is there. They've got a nice team total. I like Gronk. And then as well, Mark Andrews. I mean, we can't really say enough about how good he's been, but I really like Tyler Huntley's stacks in tournaments this week against Pittsburgh. We've seen them, not including last week with the train wreck that was Baker Mayfield and the Browns, but before that, giving up big plays, you know, really just struggling on defense. So I like Mark Andrews as well, has a chance to break the slate. All right, at running back for Slate Breakers, I'm going to mention a name. He's one of my favorite players in DFS because Nick Chubb kind of gets pigeonholed as, well, he doesn't catch patches, passes, so I don't really want him. He can't really get there. But we know that he has these explosive games. I know that he's been limited in practice. If I got a full practice from him on Friday for Nick Chubb and he went 137-2 and two against these Bengals earlier in the year, then uh, I like him as high upside GPP play that no one really wants to play, uh, especially on DraftKings 7.9. So he has a ceiling that not many players, I think, can get to. Uh, so I'll mention Nick Chubb and, and another running back you want to mention. Yes, let's talk about the Patriots real quick. It's pretty simple. If Damian Harris is out, Ramondre Stevenson looks like an awesome play. I mean, you're looking at a defense that on paper against the Dolphins would be pretty tough, right? I mean, looking at the Stream Finder tool, over the last several weeks, they're second best in terms of defending the running backs. But here's who they played. The Jets twice. The Giants with an injured Saquon Barkley and a terrible offensive line. The Panthers and Chuba Hubbard. And New Orleans on that Monday night game without their starting tackles and Ian Book. So fade the matchup. Trust that the Patriots want to ride. There's running backs and they're favored in a positive game script. And there is some motivation here still for the Patriots to potentially improve seating. So I think they're going to play their guys. And uh, we know Ramondre has that like 120 yard plus two touchdown performance in his upside. DFS Battle Royale. Betts and I are going to battle out again last week. It was John Daigle taking my spot, but here we are again. Betts down to the wire week 18. I guess we'll kind of keep going in the playoffs and kind of get weird with some of our uh, category picks, but Give me a stacking quarterback under 6K this week that you think, hey, you could use this in a tournament. Yeah, give me Tyler Huntley. 5.7K. Lamar Jackson's still not practicing, so it will be the Tyler Huntley show. And, you know, we've seen his upside before. I think he was the guy that we were on a little bit last week, Daigle and I. But he was on the COVID list previously, so maybe there were some lingering effects from that. But we've seen him, you know, before have huge, huge ceiling upside if he runs the football. He's cheap. You can sing, uh, single stack him with Mark Andrews, who I love, as I just said. So give me him against Pittsburgh, who, by the way, just lost their top corner, Joe Hayden, to the COVID list. I'm going to go with great Davis Mills. 5.3. The Texans can play spoiler at home. Okay, I don't really have a lot going for me, but the Texans have shown <laughs> some fight. I think that actually they're in a good spot. They did beat the Titans earlier this year. Let's not forget this, okay? The great Texans. So Davis Mills at home, he can get to that 300-yard bonus. And at 5.3, uh, I think you could stack him with Cooks. Nico Collins is a sneaky play this week. I just, I think the Texans are at least, they're a vomit stack. They're a stack that you would say, I don't really want to do this. But sometimes gross is good. 
in DFS. All right, give me a cash game running back this week. And we can't say Jonathan Taylor. We can't say Alvin Kamara. Can I just cheat and say the, the Cardinals starting running back? Sure. Because it was Chase Edmonds. Now he's not practicing. So whoever's starting for the, the Cardinals, I think is going to be in an awesome spot this week against Seattle. I don't know if this player has a high, higher ceiling than those guys, but Devin Singletary at 6K, I just want to give everyone the confidence. Like He's the play. Like If you're not playing Josh Allen in cash, I want exposure to the Bills. And the Jets might be the worst fantasy rushing defense of all time. So... Play Devin Singletary at 6K, and you will be a happy person. Okay, cheap wide receiver. And the story is that Betts and I went to the dock and at the exact same time decided that we wanted to type in the same person. So I'll let you reveal it. (laughs) Dude, this was so funny that it actually happened. We both were going in to type Marvin Jones. I know why you were going to do it because you have extreme bias for this player. I was going into it because there's a sneaky stat that the – um Colts giving up 75% of their touchdowns they give up they're through the air so I know the floor is a zero for Marvin Jones but if it's going to happen like it's probably going to be him it's not gonna be Laquan Treble I mean that's maybe maybe it is but um you know it's it's tough to see a ceiling so not a cash game play by any means but I am interested a little bit as a sprinkle in GPPs for Marv Jones a Marvin Jones sprinkle to end the year is a delicious treat for me. I love it. I would my bankroll would love it because it's definitely thrown him in a number of tournament lineups. So Marvin Jones, four point three, is a cheap wide receiver. We know he has upside. Um, if Trevor Lawrence would just decide to throw a touchdown, that would be nice. Um, but you put Ray Ray McLeod down. It's not beautiful, but would you play him in a tournament or is he one of those people? It's like okay, if he gains steam, I'm going to go with Chase Claypool, who's five point one. Yeah, I think looking right now at the slate, you know, the wide receivers below 4,000, there's none, essentially. So this is the same idea with Braxton Berrios last week. He was a guy that I faded in tournaments, and obviously in hindsight, that looks terrible. But whenever you have a volatile player at a cheap tag that the field is going to be on, especially at wide receiver, I'm almost always going to fade it. And so if people are playing Rary McLeod, given his low ADOT, in tournaments, I'm absolutely out. I think Chase Claypool will be much more interesting in that scenario. Given that we know the Ravens struggle with the deep ball, that's where Claypool can win. Red Ray does not necessarily do that. What about punt tight end? I have Austin Hooper. It's a great matchup against the Bengals, allowing the most fantasy points to tight ends. 3.6, he's necessary. I think Case Keenum might be an upgrade. So I don't mind Austin Hooper. I don't know if he has a high ceiling, but you could play him in cash. Yeah, it's tough. There's not a lot of great options. So I went with uh, Mount Everett, if you recall from last year, listeners, Kyle climbed the mountain with Gerald Everett this week. We talked about that game. You know, we're interested in rust stacks. I think you can include him there. He's 3,700. He's got 60 yards and or a touchdown in four of his last five games. So uh, nice tag for a guy if you want to correlate with Russ. And sneaky DST, I like the Browns at 2.6. They're probably going to gain some steam since I put this in the dock because Brandon Allen is going to be the quarterback. Joe Mixon's likely out. Jamar Chase might be out. The Bengals really don't have a ton to play for, like especially if the Titans lock things up. So uh, I do think the Browns at home are in a good spot in a game that should hit, you know, under 40 points. Yep, like the, them a lot as well. The name I put down for this week is Lions. I do think we're going to see some Jordan Love this week. I think we'll see 
minimal to no Devontae Adams, potentially. So follow what's going on with the Packers if they're going to rest some guys, which I think they will because they locked up the one seed. Like, what's there to play for? Um, if they do that, then the Lions are in play. I put some money on Lions plus two and a half earlier today because, hey, there's nothing better than putting your hard-earned money on a hard-earned guy, Dan Campbell. Just a, just a fighter. Dude, less than a field goal. You might as well just take the money line, man. Uh, dude, I'm excited about the Lions. You're probably right. Uh, let's go with the mailbag. <laughs> Bets, give me really good betting advice, and he's not wrong. Mailbag. Maybe I got it at plus four and a half. I'll look back at it later. Either way. Either way, let's go Lions. Yeah, come on. I mean, this is this is the team that you can get behind. Amon Ra's is going bananas right now. Um, Tim Boyle revenge game? I mean, what could be better for your bankroll? Nothing. All right. <laughs> we can get into the mailbag. I actually am going to check this. Uh, nope, I did take Lions money line. Okay, I'm not an idiot. All right, good. I'm not. I'm proud of you. I'm a smart. My past self was a smart man. Um, you can send your mailbag questions to me, Kyle underscore Borg, or bets the fan at the Fantasy PT. I am now back into life where I can answer questions on Twitter. I've just been MIA for the past week and a half. This first one, and I'm going to really couple a couple together. Um, first one comes in from William Ivy, and another one from Jared Peasley on Twitter. They asked, how do you guys determine roster percentage? Is it an educated guess with algorithm support? And Jared kind of followed up and said, the roster percentage report on the DFS pass, is is it better for cash or GPPs? How should I use this? So personally, Bets, how do you use roster percentage each week? Yeah, what we have in the DFS pass is specific to larger field tournaments. So you kind of have to understand how that might change based off the field size um, and then based off cash games, obviously. So when you're looking at the roster percentage port report, think about it as you know these thousands and thousands of people in a tournament. That's kind of what you're going to see most likely. If you're playing in these ones that I play in, where you know it's like 500 people or less sometimes, the best plays tend to get condensed. So if you're playing in that scenario, you can expect the highest rostered guys to be even higher. And then in cash, we know for sure that is the case. It's going to be way higher. Like for example, Trey Lance... Uh, last week in GPPs was coming in around like 20-25% depending on the field and then in cash he was like 65-70% to 70%. so we use it more for tournaments I don't use it a lot for cash because what we put in the DFS pass is not specific to cash games yes I'll just here's a good rule of thumb for cash if you wanted to think about it this way the most popular players okay that's the only reason you would use roster percentage it let's say it's Jonathan Taylor if Jonathan Taylor is coming in 25% in tournaments, let's just say that's where he's at. You need to at least double it for cash, and it could be even higher. But like the weeks that we were getting these stone men running backs, remember the week it was uh, Dernis Johnson was like the free square that week. Like Dernis Johnson in our roster percentage report was near forty percent in cash. He was near eighty, and so that's not always the case that you take the roster percentage and it, it correlates exactly to what you're planning cash. But I think it's super important when you're looking at this report. And you're understanding what's going on. <laughs> yes. No. Yes. No. Oh, you have to keep it going. No editing this. Oh, yes. man. I got you. You lost it live, Kyle. That's Come in, on, that's dude. That's in the podcast. I thought you were professional. I used to be a professional, <laughs> but when Jason Moore starts taking off his shirt and showing showing a little something, <laughs> I, I I was, as a man, as a, as a grown man, I was moved. I mean, hey, and listeners, just so you know, I can't see what's happening behind <laughs> that Kyle can see. So I'm watching him 
talk about roster percentages and like why is he smiling so much <laughs> like i mean it's a cool topic it's not that cool and here he is just looking at jason taking his shirt off <laughs> so on our tuesday show just behind the scenes i when we were talking about trey lance it, like that's mike's guy mike happened to walk in the room right when we started and he started doing a little dance too and i was a professional just straight faced you know just just stone cold doing awesome but i couldn't help it when jason Jason started showing off his belly <laughs> in the background. Um, so with roster percentage, I'll at least explain this about how it's put together. It is an algorithm with a little bit of human support. Like, so Betts and I have a conversation throughout the week. Okay, this guy's popular. We'll know it'll be popular. How popular is he? And so a lot of it is me and you kind of averaging our opinions. Um, and sometimes, you know, I'll win out because I'm kind of the one that's putting it finally in. But the goal is you're not going to get it perfect. But you are trying to give people an understanding of salary values, what is the field going to do, and then also the slate size, right? Like, how many running backs can we play, and is that going to kind of push things down? So this week, you know, there's six to eight running backs that we would say at least 15 to 20% are are viable right now, and some of those are going to be north of that. I bet Devin Singletary is going to hit that 25% mark in cash. I bet he's going to be at least 50. So... That's something you think about. We also have an algorithm that's called the buzz report and that takes all of the social media out there. I wish my brain could figure this out. And it basically sees how often a player is tagged. So if Devin Singletary is tagged a lot in terms of DFS and DK type stuff, then he's going to show up in our buzz report. Uh, And so that's kind of how we do it. But take the roster percentage report, use it as a tool. Um, It's not going to be gospel. We're going to be wrong on certain players. And sometimes we overthink what the field's going to do. Have you run into that situation where it's like, I feel like everyone's going to be about this player, and then they come in at like 8%. Yeah, for sure. Especially if you get late news that changes the slate a little bit. that You could think a guy's going to come in 20%, and then you don't play him. And then you turn around, and he's like 10 or 12, and you're like, oh, I would have loved to play that guy at 10%. So, yeah, it, again, it's a rough outline. It's I think more often than not, it's pretty close. It's pretty accurate. But there are times where it's it's off, and that's why it's a projection. Yeah, and if you see, I, I mentioned this. I remember a question earlier on in the year. Someone asked, like, hey, you projected Josh Allen for 15%, and he was only 12. Guys, like, that. that's that's pretty close. That's really good. Um, and we're going to overvalue players. We're going to undervalue because think about how many people. If we're projecting for large fields, you know, these, these tournaments that have 120,000 people in them, there's so much variability because there's people. It's not just a straight computer. So our projections, I would say, are pretty strong throughout the year, and they do give you a, a tool to work with. I would just say for wide receivers, I love looking at that and saying, okay, who are some wide receivers that could go off? And sometimes it doesn't work out, but sometimes you find a wide receiver that is under 5% that you know can go for 102, and that's how you break a slate. Uh, next question is from Becca. She, asked, she said, enjoying the DFS pass and your podcast, the cost has paid itself off tenfold. I'll, you like to hear that, right? Oh, you love it. It's a good thing. She said, thank you. I am tempted each week to enter the Millie Maker, but my bankroll is small and I would be limited to just a few entries. Is there other similar contests that you use that's cheaper buy-ins? And I know, bets you don't play the Millie Maker. You may throw one in there every once in a while for fun if I try to bully you, but uh, what are some tournaments you like? Yes, I found that entering the 150 style lineups, uh, you know, where you can get 150 max in there, isn't for me personally. 
So I don't play that a lot, but there are ones that I really like that are smaller entries as far as the price and as well the number of people playing in it. So I love the 50K Engage 8 on DraftKings. It's $8 per entry. It's a three max entry. There's 5,000 up top to first place. So you're not going to win a milli, but there's a chance at 5K, which is really nice. And then the other one that I like is the 10K Nickel 3 max. Again, three entries that you get. It's five bucks. It's got $1,000 up top to first. I mentioned before the play action. It's one of those that if you want that feeling of a large field, but you're not willing, you're like, I can't put in that big of an, it's $3, 20 max. So you're putting in $60. So instead of just putting in three entries in the millimaker at $20 each, you can put in 20 and max it out. And the top prize is $100,000. So yes, it is hard. It's really hard to win, but at least you're giving yourself an opportunity to put in some more entries. If you want to say, I'm going to run with three different quarterbacks and um, figure out, you know, here's six to seven lineups per stack that I want to use. I think that one's fine, but I'd recommend that. I still throw in a, a golden gun approach on the Millie Maker. Part of that is just to be able to say I used a golden gun approach, but um, with cash each week, I, I feel fine with it with my bankroll, but it is not a good tournament in terms of uh, plus EV at all. Last one right here is from John Rintowl. He said, with the playoffs around the corner, how do you build your cash and GPP lineups during the playoffs? Is it similar to the regular season or is there a different strategy that you employ? Playoff DFS is the best DFS. Absolutely love it. For cash games, it's it, it sort of is the same. You know, We're looking for the best median outcomes, top values, that sort of thing. So that doesn't really change. But what I like a lot about Playoff DFS is that there's a lot of different slates that you can play in. For wildcard weekend, they do like sometimes a Saturday slate. Sometimes they do just a Sunday slate. This year, I think we get two Monday games or something like that for the for the wildcard round. So there's multiple slates you can play. But if you're playing tournaments and you're playing across multiple days, I love it because it's not overwhelming. You know, you can kind of see what happens on Saturday. Then you have the opportunity to late swap and have an entire day to think about what you want to do. So I really like that type of style. For me, that GPP setting is exciting. It's different. And it's super fun because you're always talking about the best players in the game that have huge ceilings. So I love it for GPPs. I think though for cash, it's pretty much the exact same approach. Yes. I mean, you got a taste of it right with Thanksgiving, like where you got three games. It's very similar. Uh, it is fun though. Like you and I remember last year that Bills and Colts game. I remember dissecting that. I think we had the over that you and I did and it like hit at the very end, right? Or we pushed. I, yeah, I think it pushed actually we, on like a last field goal. We were or so lucky on that one. But it's just a different way to be able to say, okay, what is the field going to do with four games and how do I respond to that? So um, we're going to have articles out for all of that stuff. We're going to go through all the playoffs, cash picks, GPP picks, talk about those games. I mean, we've been recently saying like, I don't know if I want to stack this game. Like we're going to talk about all of those games and preview them from a DFS perspective. The roster percentage report will obviously look different because we're just, you know, <laughs> you're, there's no sneaky plays like everybody's 30% or, or higher. Um, it's just kind of figuring out leverage plays. Like let's say you don't go with a Dallas offense stack. Instead you flip the script and go with whoever they play. Let's say it's the 49ers or the saints or something. Then you're just saying, how can I use that against the field? Because leverage is so important when you're only dealing with a couple of games. So love the playoffs. It's a lot of fun for us. You can go to ballersdfs.com if you want to play with us, our DraftKings League. I opened up a contest bet today called the Week 18 Saturday Special, and it's almost filled. By the time you guys are hearing this, it will be filled, and I will open up some more for Saturday, 
for the main slate. It's Battle of the Borg, Battle of the Bets. Uh, Bets, have you been taking people's money this year? Dude, it's been rough for me in these tournaments. <laughs> I think all of our, our listeners are bullying me. <laughs> it's been a long season there, but uh, no, this is the weekend it's happening. Um, hopefully, anyway. And if you are playing the Saturday slate, I will be putting out a two-game preview in the DFS Pass. Usually, I put out a Thursday night football preview. Of course, no Thursday night this week, so you'll get that for the Saturday content as well. Yep. So you can join the league, enter into our contest, and it's a great one to invite your friends as we continue this DFS journey all throughout the NFL playoffs. Bets, why don't you tell people the goodbye? Yes, week 18 is going to be fun. I love this slate. Last year, week 17 was my best DFS week of the year. Stay plugged in. The DFS Pass will have you covered all weekend. Good luck. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.